Well, why don't we go ahead and uh, get started. Join me in a brief word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts this morning. Uh, and Father God, we just invite you to continue that work. Uh, speak to our hearts, Lord, uh, that we might uh, listen and learn of you. And, uh, and in seeds, seeds may be planted in our hearts that will lead to our bearing abundant fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I have you turn to 1 Kings 2, if you brought your Bibles today. The scriptures should be on the screen behind me. Uh, we're going to start in 1 Kings chapter 2, uh, and we're going to uh, read the first four verses. And I uh, chose for a title today is Prove Yourself a Man. And so this is... Uh, for men today, particularly for uh, fathers, but also for sons. David's instructions to Solomon. Beginning in verse 1, it says, When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. There is a lot to unpack there, and, um, and we're going to endeavor to unpack, unpack at least some of it. So in verse 1, we learn that David is dying. So he calls his son Solomon his successor as king of Israel, to his bedside so that he might speak these final words to his son. And a few things can be more precious or at least more impactful than a loved one's final words. And what does he say to his son? He says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. So David realizes, he knows it is appointed unto everyone to die. And he knows that his appointment with death is very near. But he's neither afraid of death, nor is he obsessing over his pending death. He calmly faces death. And I thought about that, and I said, you know what? Maybe David knew the same truth Paul revealed to us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 15 to 47, which reads, When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your sting. 
Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. See, the sting of death is sin, but Christ died for our sins. He took the sting of death away. So we don't need to be afraid of it. We can face death in faith. Knowing that our death on this earth is not the end of us. It just begins our eternity with God. Are you hearing me? So death, where is your victory? You have no victory over him. I believe David realized this. Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law where Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. Where the wages of sin is death. But he triumphed over it through the cross. And I believe David knew that revelation. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And just for a little bit of added uh, context, I'm going to uh, ask them to turn, uh, put on the screen First uh, Chronicles chapter 28, verses 2 to 7. I just want you to know and for those that you do know, bear with me here. But David didn't just start thinking about life beyond himself when his health began to fail. He began to think about it prior to that. Let's look at First Chronicles 28, first, uh, verses 2 to 7. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart. And I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. And I made preparations for building it. But God said to me, you may not build a house for my name, for you are a man of war and have shed blood. Yet the Lord God of Israel chose me from all my father's house to be king over Israel forever. For he chose Judah as leader and in the house of Judah, my father's house. And among my father's sons, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all Israel. And all of my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen Solomon, my son, to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, it is Solomon, your son, who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he continues strong in keeping my commandments and my rules as he is today. So he makes a public declaration. This is what God says. I got a lot of sons. And that really was significant to me because if you'll notice, when Samuel came to ask Jesse to present his sons because God wanted to make one king, he brought every son he had but except for David. That tells you what little regard David had. Surely, out of all my sons, I could see God making all of my sons king except this one. I don't think he's king material. And yet, he was the very one God called. And I hope that's an encouragement to you today because it's easy for us 
to look in the mirror and see our flaws or to reflect on where we've missed it and, 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 and judge ourselves as to what our weaknesses are or what we lack or what God can't work with and all those things. And we disqualify ourselves in our minds. But that's the greatness of God that his ability to do his, to perform his will and to do the miraculous doesn't depend on our capability. He doesn't need us to be the strongest person in the land. He doesn't need us to be the most eloquent orator. He doesn't need us to be the most gifted individual. He just needs us to be surrendered and willing, uh, willing vessels that will say yes to the, to the will of God. And it doesn't matter what we lack. What matters is that we give him what we have. And we trust him that he can make the most of it. Because nothing is impossible for him. But notice, David was the one that seemed to be considered disqualified for this great call of God. And God was the one he chose. Solomon, David said he had many sons. But Solomon told David that, I mean, but God told David that Solomon was the one that he chose. Why is that significant to me? It's significant to me because Solomon is the one that was born out of, that was born between David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba was the one David committed adultery with. Bathsheba is the one who David had her husband murdered when he would not sleep with his wife so that they could cover up their sin by making him think the baby was his. And yet, out of all, just think, just think about that. Now, that baby didn't survive, but they stayed together, they married, and they had Solomon. And a relationship that started in ungodliness produced a son that God declared is going to be the successor to David. And he's going to become king of Israel. I say that because I think it's important for us to hear this. That sometimes the, our beginnings, uh, what environment, what kind of home, what kind of life we've grown up in and come out of, that tends to stick. And that tends to haunt us. And that tends to, to, to make us doubt that God could have a calling on our lives. But it doesn't matter what your parents' relationship situation was. It doesn't matter the dysfunction that you've had in your family. It, it, it doesn't matter how, I'll, I'll say, how foolish your decisions were early in life. We have a redeeming God. All right? We have a loving God, a forgiving God, a God that's able to redeem us and save us to the utmost. And so if we repented and we've come to him, then he has removed our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. He's not holding those things against us. And so we need to remind ourselves of the heart of God and, and not project our, any self-loathing or self-condemnation onto how we think God views us because God loves you so much he sent his son to die for you while you were still a sinner. And that's the heart of our God, Right? And so he's redeemed you. He's made you fearfully and wonderfully made. And he has a purpose and a call for your life. And who knows how amazing and awesome 
the call of God is uh, on your life. But believe God for who the scripture presents him to be to us. Let's not let our life's past and life's mistakes tarnish our ability to trust God as our heavenly father, that he has good for us, that his favor is on us, that he has a calling and purpose for us. And he will bring it to pass. I, I hope that in, encourages, uh, encourages someone out there today. So he chose Solomon out of all his sons. It just moved me that Solomon was the one. But it does come with conditions because he says, uh, don't, but he says, uh, uh, be careful now for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. I think I, uh, I think I, I, I scrolled down a little bit too far. I'm sorry. I will establish his kingdom. There's a conditions. I will establish his kingdom forever if he continues strong in keeping my commandments and my rules as he is today. And then he goes on down in verses 9 and 10, and he has, and this, is, this is before David's health begins to fail. This is before he's in his final hour and given his, his final instructions or exhortation to his son. He's declared to the kingdom God's will concerning his son, which son is his successor, and now he's talking to his son. And you, Solomon, my son, verse 9, Know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. Before I finish in verse 10, notice he says, you know God. Know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart. It's not enough that David knows God. And fathers, that's what we have to do. We have to we have to train up our children in the way that they should go. And we have to challenge them and charge them. My God, you can't go through life with God being my God. You're going to have to know God for yourself. And he charges his son. Know God. Know the God of your fathers. And not only know him, but serve him with the whole heart. Be fully committed to your God and with the willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. So David gives Solomon, his successor on the throne, instructions concerning the plan of God for his life. He gives an exhortation to his son in verses 9 and 10 of 1 Chronicles 28 that is very similar to the deathbed exhortation. David gives his son, let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 2. But David gives his son in 1 Kings 2 verses 1 through 4, he gives a similar exhortation on his deathbed than what we just read here in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. I say this to point out the fact that David gave serious thought about his death while be, well before his health began to fail. 
And I know we don't like to talk, about, we don't like to think about that stuff. You know, we, we can think about other people's death. It's not comfortable to think about our own. And it's not something I want you to dwell on. It's not something, I'm, I'm not encouraging that. I don't want you to go around, well, my days are numbered. Who knows how many days I got one day left now than I had yesterday. You know, that thing can go down a slippery slope and that can become a negative thing. And, and, but, but we do need to consider. Scripture says to number our days. In other words, be mindful that our life is but a vapor on this earth. Be, 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 be mindful that in this earthly body, there's a temporal existence. Right? The real us is the spirit man. The spirit woman inside us. We're housed in a body, but we are spirit. Amen? And, and everybody's going to be living for, in eternity somewhere. We're either going to be in a fiery lake or we're going to be in heaven with God, right? So it's an everlasting consequence or everlasting glory. So, so this life, when we're young, it seems like it's going to last forever. And when we're older, we're trying to hold on Hold on to it as long as we can. <laughs> That's just real. You know, we're trying to hold on to it as long as we can. But, but you know, this, not, this life is not something to hold on to. We need to be holding on to the, uh, the, the salvation of the Lord, right? He's the one we need to cling on to, his truth, his word, his will for our lives, the eternal destiny that we have in him. That's what we cling to because this life, it's just a grain of sand. It'll be over before you know it. And we have to be mindful of that and be willing to give that to God so we can make plans beyond our lifetime that involve our children and our children's children. We, our time on this earth will end, but the work of God will continue. And our children in the next generation need to know God for themselves. They need to know how to walk with God themselves. They need to know how to present the gospel and make him known themselves. And they need to know how to train up their children in the way of the Lord and do the same thing and pass it on because God is from everlasting to everlasting. His promises and his workings go well beyond an individual's lifetime. And if we are mindful of that and, and we know the truth of the salvation of the Lord, that he's redeemed us from, from the victory of death and from the sting of death, that, that he's taken death's victory away, then we don't have to look with dread upon that day. We can rest in the fact that we've done what God has given us the grace to do and what he's called us to do. We can trust him for everything that lives beyond us. I've watered the seeds that God gave me to water. I've, I've had the privilege of seeing some increase. Of seeing some of those, I've had the privilege of seeing bloom things that my parents or grandparents Seeds that they planted, that they never got to saw bloom because their time on this earth didn't allow them to. 
I've got a chance to water those things and see it bloom. I've planted seeds in my lifetime that my children or my grandchildren will see bloom. That, that, that's called legacy, right? And so we're just doing that. We benefit from the legacy of those that were before us, and we pass legacy on to those that will outlive us. Amen? And so, so, so we can't be so focused on the now that we miss that God's plan goes on and on and on. Amen? And so, so that's what we have here, that we started here in 1 Kings with David is doing that. He's handing it off. Years before his uh, fe- uh, health began to fail, he told, he told the whole kingdom, but he told Solomon God's call on his life. There are other things God's going to call you to do, but here's the one thing I know that's God's call for your life. So he's giving him vision. He's giving him direction. He's telling you God has called you to this. So I, I, I just wanted to point out the fact that David gave serious thought about his death well before his health began to fail. So his final words to Solomon, as his own death drew near, was not a, a cramming session filled with things he'd always wanted to say. Things he wanted to say but never got around to. No, it wasn't that. David's final words were a summation or a reminder of things already declared and spoken to Solomon. Let's not fail to be mindful that our days are numbered here. So there's an urgency that we begin to speak and declare to our kids what God has spoken to us concerning them. So that when our days are drawing near, if you know, we're giving a summation or a reminder of what's already said. We're not regretting. We're not trying to cram in a whole bunch of stuff that we never got around to. And I, I encourage you and I exhort you, fathers, diligently pray over your children. If God has confirmed to you a specific calling for one of your children, declare it to that child. Make it known. Trust that God will confirm it to him or her in his timing. Declare it and just trust God that God's going to do what God does. Declare it to that child. Also, let them know the general call of God for all Christian disciples. There are specific calls, but you know what? All of us are called to the uh, ministry of reconciliation. It's not just a minister's job to tell people be reconciled with God? That's that's, that's the job of every disciple of Christ. To make disciples. And our kids need to know that. At least make them aware of how God has gifted them. I'll amen myself. But at least make them aware of how God has gifted them so that when they begin, and it's inevitable that they will begin it, when they begin to consider their place in this world, why am I here? What's my purpose? What significance am I? When they begin to consider their place in this world, they are at least armed with the knowledge of how God has gifted them and what he has called them to. 
it's at least available there for their consideration. As they're contemplating these things. And God can speak to them in those moments. Maybe in a way that we can't speak to our kids in those moments. But God can speak to them in a way that confirms to them their worth, their value, their identity, their calling and gifting in the Lord. Are you hearing me? And so, I, 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 I just wanted to say that, and let's go back and let's see specifically what those two, last uh, three verses there in 1 Kings chapter 2, what David actually said to his son, and then we'll draw this to a close. As I've already said, he tells, some, he tells Solomon, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. That's a strong statement. Be strong and show yourself a man. Why would he say that? I, I don't believe that he sensed weakness in Solomon. That's not why he said it. But Solomon had a great call on his life. And if you read the previous, uh, if you read the previous chapter, um, David had another son, uh, Adonijah. He had another son who thought that he was going to be the one to take the throne, to elevate himself into the throne and, and become David's successor. <laughs> and so uh, you had uh, Nathan and Bathsheba got together and they decided to present it to David because David was unaware. He was in failing health. And they reminded him of what he had already declared. What he said God's will was that Solomon would be king. And so that led to David raising him up and making it official that Solomon is the successor. But there is evidence that there is drama, that there are others who desire his throne. That, there, that, that he needs to be strong because the, the, the calling and the challenges and the path that he's going to have to walk are great. Enemies, significant. But the challenge of the calling itself is not for the faint of heart. And you're going to have to be strong and you're going to have to man up. It'd be nice. We did a little activity. At, uh, Christy and I was there this weekend, and uh, I know if Teresa comes up with these activities, man, we're going to have to pick her brain for some, for some stuff. But we had this activity that involved a PVC pipe, and uh, and you fill it up with water, and you're going to have to. Someone always has to have their hand on the bottom to keep the water in the pipe. And your objective is to take this PVC pipe full of water <laughs> uh, and, and you have to flip it to the other end. Someone else is going to have to take the other end and stop as much water from spilling as possible. And you keep doing this. We had like a group of 11 people. And, the, and then what's left when the last person does it, you flip it into the other bucket to see how much water you were able to save through the activity. 
And I tell you, the first time we did that, I don't think we could fill up one of those little water bottles with the water that we had. <laughs> it, it was a disaster. Uh, you know, we did better the second time, but it was amazing how much water that, <laughs> how much water was lost in that whole thing. But, you know, we did much better the second time. And one of the young ladies, when Teresa asked, because she wanted to know, hey, what did we learn from this, right? And somebody said, well, you know, we started off looking for what's the trick here? What's the easy way? There has to be some easy way that everybody's going to assume that it's this super hard way, in, in the, but, the, but the smart team will figure out the easy way to do this. And there was no easy way to do it. And she said, once we got, once we got our minds around the fact that this was just going to hard, it was a hard, it was hard to do, and we just had to roll up our sleeves and do it, you know, we kind of figured out a way to do it and preserve the water. You know, we stopped looking for an easy way out, you know. And I think that there's a great lesson there for life. You know, that not everything has an easy way out. And we shouldn't necessarily be looking for the easy way out, right? Uh, things that are worth having are worth earning, right? Things that are worth accomplishing are worth overcoming adversity and challenge and hardship. So you learn to persevere to get through the finish line, right? And that just makes us grow. That makes us stronger. And so he's challenging him, be strong. Show yourself a man because the road God's marked out for you is not going to be easy and you're going to have to be disciplined and persevere. And you know the Christian walk, praise God, we're so blessed in this country that we do have the freedoms that we have, but the Christian walk is not easy. <clears throat> Jesus never said it was. And sometimes we think in our minds that it ought to be. We wish it was easier. But you know what? I think we got to embrace the challenge. And get to that point, uh, like the young lady in Russia, uh, from Russia, get to that point to where we've got to learn to trust God. Even in the hardship. Even in the struggle. Even in the trial. Even in the challenge. We've got to learn to trust him and and rely on his strength and his ability and his grace to get us where he has already declared that he wants us to be. But he says, be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God. Walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. So he's telling him, what's included in being strong? Well, you be strong in the faith. You be strong in your walk with God. There will be temptations. There will be challenges. And, and uh, Spoiler alert, uh, Solomon did not walk in perfection there. <laughs> all right? But, uh, you know, and, and God's word was, uh, uh, proved itself true in that regard. But he's telling him, be strong. Show yourself a man. I, I, I interpret that as show yourself a man of God. Walk in faithful obedience to him. 
be ever mindful of his word, his inspired word in scripture. Be ever mindful of what he has spoken and confirmed to you, what has been declared and, and prophesied and spoken over you. Be ever mindful of that, what God's will is for your life, what he's called you to. And keep yourself in faithful obedience to God's word. Consider him when you're making your decisions. And then he gives, he, uh, we'll finish up in verse 4. That the Lord, or so that the Lord. So do these things. And here's what you can expect. That the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, says David, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And so this man, this, this father, this dying father is speaking words he's already spoken to his son in, in, in one form or another, earlier in life these words are so significant they are so precious that he is reiterating these words in his last moments there are a thousand things he could have said to Solomon so much wisdom he could have imparted to him but the thing that he did impart it to him was how he should walk with God out of all the things, thousands of things he could have said, that's the one thing that he said. Remember God's word. Walk in it. Remember his testimonies. Remember his commandments. Walk with God in it. That you might prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Because God's made a promise to me that if my sons pay close attention to their way, Walk circumspectly. Walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart, with all their soul. You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. That's what God would have me share. I would reiterate but something that I've said, because I think it bears repeating, fathers, pray over your children. Seek God and be open to let God speak to you concerning his plans and calling for your children. I, I, I would say mothers and fathers do that. I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on fathers because it's Father's Day. That, that's not to the exclusion of mama. <laughs> All right. But, 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 but there is a calling and responsibility of headship on you fathers. That is yours and only yours, right? And you have to rise up to that. And, 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 and you have to embrace that responsibility and that calling from God. To God, I want to hear you concerning what you have in store for my children? What would you have me to say to them? How should I exhort them? 
what is your call on them that I can declare to them and have them pray into and have you confirm to them so that this can become a thing that they own and they move forward in the strength and grace of the Lord. If you're not, if you haven't done that, didn't know to do that, um, and you're hearing this for the first time, again, there's no condemnation. I just encourage you to, to receive this and to act in faithful obedience in it. Begin to walk in it. I'll be happy to, to, to talk with you. Uh, I'm still growing in the Lord myself um, uh, in these things, and I, I can give you what I got. Um, it'll be an honor to talk to you and to minister you to you and bless you in that. But uh, don't dwell on what you haven't done because right now is the time. You know, uh, the past is over and done with. The future is not promised to you, but you're in the now. And you can, uh, uh, you, you can make a choice for you and your house right now. And so there's no time for, you know, con- self-condemnation and, and, and guilt and all that. The time is what is God saying and, and, and what is the right response to that? So pray over your kids. Declare to them what their gifting is and what God has shown you concerning his call on their lives. Give them, arm them with something that can help them navigate through life and know who they are in, God, in the Lord and what God wants them to do. Um, and I will conclude in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So work while it is, while it is day. Do your labor as God leads you. And know that if you've done what God has told you to do, your labor is not in vain. You don't have to worry about the fruit of your labor that's going to outlive you because you have a God. You know God and you know he's faithful. You start a work. You may not see it to its fullest completion, but just trust God is going to do what he's promised. Be great if you can see it, but if that's not in line with God's will, then just say, yes, Lord, I'm coming home. And thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and what you're going to do. I'm going to declare to my children your faithfulness. I'm going to declare to my children your goodness. I'm going to declare to my children what your plan and purpose is for them. And when I go home to be with you, I'll go home and be to be with you in peace, knowing that my children are in the faithful and capable hands of our almighty God. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand. Hallelujah. And, uh, and, and before I close, I just uh, talked about the day being the day of, of decision for you. You know, this is Father's Day. And not everybody grew up with a father. Many grew up with, without a good one. But that's all right. What I'm concerned about 
is that is whether or not you're in relationship with your heavenly father. And here on Father's Day, there may be someone here today who came in today not sure what God thought about you. Not sure whether he loved you enough and valued you enough to declare to you like he declared about Solomon to David that I will be his father and he will be my son. If you're here today and and you don't know the Lord Jesus, I want, you know, if you don't know the love of God, you don't know what Christ has done on that cross for you, you don't know how God regards you and you doubt that God loves you or that he would even accept you, uh, allow me to tell you the truth, that he loves you uh, immeasurably. That he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, despite your sins. Not despite of them, because of them. Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. So, So the fact that you are a sinner... Just acknowledge that. Admit that. He wants you to admit that so that you can then humble yourself and realize that the sacrifice that Jesus made for you, he wants to offer the salvation that results from that to you as a gift. For no other reason than that he loves you. So do you matter? You're darn right you matter. Are you loved? You're darn right you're loved. Are you wanted? You're darn right you're wanted. You're wanted by the one who created you. You're wanted by the one who put the breath of life in you. You're wanted by the one who gave his only begotten son for you. He wants you to know you're loved, you're treasured, you're valued, and that his arms are open for you. To walk into them and receive his love and his forgiveness and his salvation. If you are not sure whether or not you're saved, then answer this call and come and talk with me today that we might remove that confusion and replace it with the certainty of the salvation of the Lord. Father God, I thank you for the honor of sharing your word. I I thank you, Father God, for speaking to our hearts. And Father God, if there is, for those who may be here today that don't know you, I pray, Lord, that they respond to your call, your loving call to come to you to come into your loving embrace and receive your your eternal salvation through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You've said that you're a father to the fatherless. May you reach that heart, that wounded heart, that hurting heart, that troubled heart, who has no healthy concept of fatherhood, May you reach that heart and give them the grace and the strength and the courage 
to receive what they've lacked on earth from their earthly father. They can receive it in full from the heavenly father. Father, I pray your blessings on everyone here, Lord, and everyone who's listened, listening online, Father. Um, just bless and strengthen and encourage everyone, Father. Let this word take root and bear fruit in every life, Father God, and to, to the glory and honor of you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, if any, again, that the, the, the altar call is still open. Um, uh, even if you know the Lord and you're struggling in this area or you have, need, have prayer needs in, in another area, I will remain up here for a while, and I'll be happy uh, to engage and pray with you. Other than that, uh, service, this concludes the service. Lord bless you all. Have a wonderful Father's Day and a great week.